Hey everybody, welcome to the Shift Health Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and because this is February, we're gonna be talking about heart health for shift working professionals. So if you've ever gone to the doctor and they say, hey, be mindful of your heart, or you know you have heart conditions that run in your family, you know, you wanna be mindful of how you're caring for your heart. We're gonna go over these tips, and these tips come from healthy.gov. If you wanna read more, of course, all the links are gonna be in the show notes. But one of the interesting things is when you start looking at this is no matter what type of thing you're trying to prevent, they are all really the same tips, but we're gonna break them down and see how we can implement this in a shift lifestyle. One of the first things when it comes to heart healthy is eating well. And this is where a lot of people struggle a lot of times. And I think a lot of times there's so many different diet types out there, it becomes very confusing on what is actually heart healthy. Well, when we look at heart healthy, we're talking about eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and good quality meats and things like that. But really when it comes to heart health, we really wanna kinda look at fiber. Fiber is what helps lower our cholesterol, it keeps us going, and fiber also gives us energy because fiber is in the form of a carbohydrate. And it's really important too because it helps moderate our blood sugar. Now when we're talking about how much, how many grams of fiber Fiber, well, we're looking between 25 and 35 grams of fiber, depending on male or woman and things like that. But if you stay around that that number, you're doing pretty good. Now, the hard thing is so many of us are carb phobic that we're afraid of carbohydrates, and yet carbohydrates is where fiber comes from. So we really you know, I tell a lot of people that get into the realm of counting macros or counting carbohydrates or things like that. If you're worried about things, just focus on eating more fruits and vegetables. It really becomes pretty easy when you're trying to reach your fiber when you're eating more fruits and vegetables. Personally, I like to see plates, half of that plate should be vegetables. You know, when we start including more fruits and vegetables, it's easier to get the fiber in. So let's just talk about a few foods that are really high in fiber. So one of the highest fruits in fiber is actually raspberries. One cup of raspberries has nine grams of fiber. This is almost half your fiber intake. Now, being mindful, raspberries are ridiculously expensive. So eating a cup of raspberries every day is not going to be feasible financially for most of us. Um, But then pears. Pears are a great form of fiber. Actually, one pear will have about five and a half grams of fiber. An apple would be about four and a half grams of fiber. A banana would be three. So there's other fruits that you can add in. And when we talk about fruits, we really want about two pieces of fruit a day, depending more or less, depending on who you are and things like that. But that's just a general overview. Now, when we look at vegetables, something like green peas, they're going to be really high. You're going to be, for about one cup, you're going to be about nine grams of fiber. Broccoli, a cup of like boiled broccoli chopped up is going to be about five grams. Even sweet corn is going to be three and a half grams of fiber in sweet corn. So think about the, you know, the springs and summers when you have things like this. We can add in different types of fruits and vegetables, which would be helpful. You know, a baked potato with the skin is four grams of fiber. So, you know, there's, you can see how this can add up if we are eating fruits and vegetables. Now let's talk about the grains because the grains is where we also get some fiber. You know, spaghetti, whole wheat spaghetti is about six grams of fiber for one cup of spaghetti. So, you know, we can easily make the switch from going to our white pastas and our white breads over to whole grains. Now, if you're like, listen, I really don't like whole grain bread and pasta, I get it. But then that means you have to kick up your vegetable and fruit intake a little bit more to offset, you know, not eating 
eating the whole grain. So it really depends on where you want to put it. I personally, when I make pasta, I generally will add some whole grain pasta, some white pasta, and then I still add some zucchini pasta in it and we mix it all up. You can put some lemon and butter and, you know, it's really good that way. But I like to mix things up like an oat bran muffin would be five grams of fiber. Some bran flakes is five and a half grams of fiber. I actually think there's an all bran cereal. And if I remember correctly, I forget what it is, but like all bran cereal has almost 15 grams of fiber. So if getting that fiber in is difficult, maybe look at adding something like an all brand cereal. And you can even put it on like if you're making like a salad or something, you could top it and it's like this little crunchy topping. It's funny because the all brand uh, cereal almost kind of looks like rabbit food, but you could sprinkle it on anything and it actually kind of has like a nutty sweet taste. Some of the highest foods though, when it comes to fiber are going to be our beans. Lentils will have about 15 grams of fiber. Split peas are going to be about 16 grams of fiber. So think about split pea soup and lentil soup. These are great options to really add in your fiber. Now let's talk about how do we get this in when we work rotating shifts or a night shift. You know, anytime, because I know a lot of uh, my night shifters struggle with eating food after midnight. They find a lot of times they get bloated. They don't feel real great. And a lot of times that's just because our circadian rhythm, especially when you're a rotating shift worker, our circadian rhythms are so thrown off that overnight we're not supposed to be digesting. We're supposed to be sleeping and healing. So when we throw down meals, it becomes harder to digest. So what I'll tell people is if you can get two meals in before you go to work and make them two fairly large meals, then by the time you get home, if you're still hungry, you can eat something small, like a like maybe like a yogurt. That way you can go to sleep and it's not going to affect your sleep. Some people can do a soup at midnight and be fine because it's easily digested. I wouldn't try doing a salad at midnight or 1am because salads are notoriously hard to digest. So putting something down your system that's harder to digest, you're probably going to get bloated and not feel good over the overnight shift. So something simple. I, I really like soups when it comes to that or maybe like a veggie stir fry. I usually generally tell people if you are feeling that bloated feeling and when you're eating after midnight, I'll generally tell them pull back, you know, try pulling back on the animal proteins, do it more plant-based sources. And that generally helps. But I do know so many um, people that really, for them eating, even sometimes after 9 p.m. is difficult. So it really depends on you and your shift and what works best for you. But I do know a lot of people that have found intermittent fasting when they work night shifts have, has been really helpful in um, helping with their digestive system and bloating. But keep in mind, we want to focus on fiber because that's going to keep us heart healthy. So that's tip number one. Let's talk about tip number two. Tip number two is going to be be active. Now I know a lot of times this comes, it's difficult because you're on your feet all day, you're tired, but what we want to do is find some way of being active. And it doesn't mean having to hit the gym, maybe playing basketball with your kids, going for a hike with your spouse or your friend, you know, different things like that, that keep you active, but don't strain you more depending on your shift. So it really kind of depends, but we really want to get that exercise in. It's really important. It's one of the reasons why I like smartwatches because we can really see how much we're working, how much we're moving. I like to talk about movement over exercising because I think a lot of times we lack 
just general movement. So really having an understanding of your base of movement can help you determine how you're moving. And then of course, when we talk about exercising, we want to talk about exercising our heart and having our heart rate up and down. And you know, one of the biggest things, there is a book called Beyond Training. And one of the reasons why they were finding that so many ultra marathoners were having heart attacks is because they realized they were always training at the same high intensity. So we really want to make sure that our when we do have an exercise routine, that we are, you know, making sure we're getting a full range of intensities with our heart, that it's just not always at a high intensity or always at a low intensity. We want to be exercising our entire heart. The next tip would be stay at a healthy weight. Now, I know this is kind of, you know, it's hard to determine what a healthy weight is a lot of times. You know, our BMI charts are wrong. You know, even when we go off the weight chart, a lot of times it's not taking into muscle mass. I think for most people, they know when they are or they are not at a healthy weight. If you know you could lose about 10 pounds, you could probably lose about 10 pounds. You know, if your doctors are worried about your weight, well, then maybe look at that. But honestly, you know, weight, I don't want to throw this off and say it doesn't matter because in a way it kind of does maybe. But if we're eating healthy and we're staying active, I think those are much more important than really stressing out about our weight. I'm actually going to be doing an episode here in about a month or two. And we're talking about a new scale that actually doesn't take your weight. And it's kind of cool. But you know, I think, you know, making sure we're taking those healthy habits and implementing really, we can then, you know, be mindful of our weight. Let's put it that. The next one is quit smoking. Listen, we know how much smoking affects our lungs. It affects our overall health. You know, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast thinks smoking is healthy. You know, it's kind of a risky behavior. I do know people that smoke and it's kind of a stress reliever for them. And I think, you know, we really kind of have to find other ways of releasing, relieving stress. But, you know, be mindful. If you know you have a family history of lung cancer or heart disease, I would really look at smoking, you know, and see how we can change that behavior and uh, and start to quit smoking. And the next one is controlling your blood pressure and cholesterol. Well, here's the simple thing. If you do the first two tips, which is eat healthy and get active, you are naturally going to control your blood pressure and your cholesterol. So, you know, this tip kind of doesn't even matter too much if you're already living a healthy lifestyle. Now, women, I will tell you, your cholesterol is directly tied to your hormones. So if your hormones aren't bad, your cholesterol is generally going to be a little higher. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, when we look at cholesterol, if you feel like you're on a healthy diet and you're eating healthy, you know, maybe going to see your doctor, getting some blood work done. Um, I know Lynn Janae on the metabolism plan talks about cholesterol and hormones heavily. And we've had Jackie, one of the head coaches over there on the podcast many times. So that's something to look into if you're still struggling with your cholesterol and yet you're, you know, keeping active, you're eating healthy. That's another place to look. The next tip is drink alcohol in moderation. Now, I kind of hate this one as much as I hate the one that says stay at a healthy weight. And the reason why is because drink alcohol in 
moderation gives us no direction. It's kind of a term. Moderation just doesn't, it's like drink, you can have some, just not too much. But I think a lot of times we want numbers behind things. I think sometimes moderation is very hard to decipher what's enough, what's too much. And, you know, when you look at all the research, you know, a lot of it, it's conflicting. It doesn't give you good sense of things. But I think when we look at something like a Mediterranean, people that live in France and Italy and things like that, they'll have a glass of wine a night. It works. I think it comes with, you know, when we talk about alcohol, if you enjoy alcohol, maybe a serving or two, a couple nights a week, I think some of the problems that we see when we talk about alcohol is the binging of alcohol that we we have a tendency of doing. We won't drink all week, but we go out on the weekends and we let loose and it's maybe 15 or 20 drinks in a weekend, you know, depending on what you're drinking and who you're drinking with and stuff like that. It might only be five or six, but you know, it's definitely a lot more than during the week. And I think when we talk about alcohol and we have to look at mitochondria and the effects of it, we know mitochondria is the energy in our cells and essentially it keeps us young. But we do know alcohol increases oxidative stress, which starts to kill the mitochondria. So, you know, we want to keep that all in mind. I think the binging can be kind of a problem because it's just, it's not that we are only having 10 drinks a week. It's that we're having those 10 drinks a week compressed into maybe 36 hours, maybe 48 hours. So it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're good all week and then we trash our system and then we're good all week and then we trash our system. And I know a lot of that is kind of growing up and being young, but I think we just need to be mindful of how much we're drinking. I know there's this new sober trend going around and I've been seeing more and more mocktails being made where we can go out, we can have a drink, but it doesn't always have to be alcoholic. We can have a fun mocktail type drink and it's not just Shirley Temples now. They're becoming more sophisticated and I'm kind of excited about that because there's times like we're going out with my friends and I'm just not in the mood to drink but I also don't drink soda and quite frankly I don't want to drink water I drink water all day long you know you want something else that's not that's different to drink but not sweet um and I think a lot of times we're seeing some of this stuff come out so that's kind of exciting when we look at alcohol we have to take a, a bird eye view on what our relationship with alcohol is and there was a really good previous episode we did about alcohol recovery and our health and you know, it was really interesting. Um, Lynette brought up a really good point. She's like, every time you go out with these people, do you always have to drink? And I think it's something to kind of reflect on and reflect on our relationship with alcohol and how much are we dealing? Are we drinking alcohol to remove stress? Is there other ways that we should be managing our stress rather than managing our stress through alcohol? And that actually brings us right into the next tip here and it's manage your stress. And I would say if I was if I was to recreate this list, right, I would be, it would be eat, move, and manage stress. Like I think a lot of the other ones, well, quit smoking, we should be in there too, and probably moderate alcohol. If we manage stress, potentially the alcohol and the smoking would fade away because I think alcohol and smoking, a lot of times, yes, they're habits, but I think they're habits that stem from unmanaged stress, essentially. So if we were to manage our stress and find ways to manage our stress, I think it'd be easier to release some of the alcohol or start um, start on a path of not smoking and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about managing stress. And I know this is something I spend a lot of time with my shift working professionals on with talking about stress management. Because, you know, when you're in a lifestyle that's constantly changing, you're 
day, one week versus another week might look completely different, even from where you sleep, where you maybe might be for that week, depending if you're having to move sites. It becomes very difficult and it becomes very stressful and trying to add in another healthy habit is very difficult. So that's why when we talk a lot about stress management, we talk about things we are already doing. And one of the biggest things is when we're managing stress is no matter what activity you have chosen, it's to set that intention that that activity is going to help you manage your stress. You know, we talked a lot about this on the Reset Outdoors episode we did about a month ago, and we talked about, actually it was back in December, when we talked with Connor Moriarty on how he uses nature in his therapy practice for stress management, and it was always about setting that intention. So let's say you love to fish, and you would like every weekend to be able to go fishing. Well, you can use fishing as a stress management technique. It's actually one of my favorites to use as a stress management technique. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times when you're fishing, you're already quiet. You're already paying attention to the noises around you. You're looking in the water and you might not even notice you're breathing deeper. So it's already building you into a state of being present and you don't even have to realize it. So if you were to say every day, every weekend, or whenever you can, I am gonna go fishing, I'm gonna use this as my stress management practice. And you're gonna set that intention that that's what that's gonna be, and then you're just gonna go fishing. You're not gonna think about it beyond that because that's the beauty of fishing. You could do the same thing with going for a motorcycle ride or cruising a classic car or going hiking or kayaking or even skiing. It could be all of that if that's what you set that intention. So it's not about having to make time to do something else. It's about already taking the time you do to do something you love and just setting the intention around that this is what this this is going to be. My stress management technique is going to be fishing because now you have a stress management technique. And that's the important part of all of this is setting that intention and doing something you already love. You know, if you like playing soccer with your kids or basketball with your kids, set that as you can even set it as your stress management and your active exercise. And you, we can do that. We don't have to create these complex plans. We just have to better utilize what we are already doing. And I think that's really kind of to sum up this entire episode is we want to utilize what we're already doing. So we're, we're not having to make life more difficult or put more activities into our daily to-dos. So I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I hope you stay heart healthy and I'll talk to you all next week.